We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein. My move, if I'm the Bulls now, trade DeMar DeRozan. His value is high. His game is retrograde. His game is holding you back. Get what you can while he's still young enough, has some value, has another year on his contract to keep that value up. Whatever you want to do with Vooch and all that, the most important thing they could do to tell me they see what's really going on here. Trade DeMar DeRozan. Lawrence Holmes. As things have gotten bad for the Bulls, we're left with Billy and the players, and you know that they're the ones that are most responsible for it, but the roster construction part of it is significant. And trying to just even figure out what they think they are. Who do you think you are? I am. I'd like to know. I'm so curious about this trade deadline. If you don't trade Vooch, doesn't that mean you have to think about re-signing him? Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. I think of this, and if you're a Weird Al fan, all you can think of is his version, Living with a Hernia. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Yeah, that went a lot of places, and we almost ended up you know, breaking up a marriage over it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's text messages from those yeah, two. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a wild uh, midday yesterday. Shout out to billionaire Brad and Sarah Spain. <laughs> Yeah, that but, brought a lot of joy to my day. Yeah, the latter was objectively correct. Let me just uh, let me weigh in on that. That's will, why she's I, the commission. I, I will plant my flag there. The, the commission has ruled. Yeah, that, that's got the absolute seal of approval. <laughs> seal of, of, of spousal behavioral approval there. Outstanding. So shall it be done. So today, here on the Bernstein and Holmes Show, as we broadcast live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, we're going to talk some basketball and some football. We've got Chiefs radio analyst Dana Hughes going to join us at the top of the next hour. Joe Ostrowski will, I don't know what the wagertainment stuff is on this week, if the flag football game has got a number attached to it. I mean, there could be some props on LeBron. Yeah. You know, with him getting ready to pass Kareem. You see $90,000 for a ticket. What is he, Beyonce? $90,000? Somebody's going to pay for a ticket to, to be at that game? I can watch it on TV. Exactly. And I'll be, I'll be just fine. Uh, yeah. I don't know if this is necessarily something. I mean, I, I guess. Eh, how much would you How much would you pay? Uh, I don't think $90,000. It's all relative. I mean, I'd pay something for it, but I don't know if I were in L.A., but I don't know what I'd pay that much for it. Before we do like bull stuff, can we stay in the space? I here here's my thing. 
when I ask you and Mully questions about stuff, I feel like it's important because when we have people that are this close to the 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 great times that are associated with Chicago sports, I like to pick brains. So brains, not eat brains. Brains. I like to pick brains, and considering there is probably a big portion of the audience that doesn't remember Dan Bernstein, Bulls reporter. Yeah, Dan. Just like there's all right. Re- Long I, time I, ago. I was having a conversation with uh, Courtney Cronin yesterday, and I was talking about when I covered the Bears. And I'm guessing that there's a significant part of the audience that doesn't remember Lawrence Holmes, Bears reporter. So Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence. Well, yes, we remember it. Yep. But for you. And still one of my favorite underrated jokes that I made was when, when he went to Italy or something. And I was, and Florence, Florence, Florence. <laughs> and I, and it was, <laughs> and I got, it got a little laugh, but I, was kind of, I walked out. I was like, you know, I thought that was funnier than the reaction. It was pretty Meredith. funny. Yeah. But I, yeah. I like when we can, we can lean on your experience. Like we ask our guests this and, and you're here. So Jordan's 60th birthday. 23-23, it's Jordan Day. Michael, when you re-entered the game in the fourth quarter, was that just to ensure the lead, or was that because you really wanted to rub this one in? No. Uh, that was a pretty smart question. Because <laughs> he knew I was right. Yeah, because he did <laughs> uh-huh. want to go back so, into the game. To, I, I knew that. And now people know. So let me put you on the couch, Dan, and let me talk to you yeah. about, ask you some questions about Michael Jordan. You said during transition the the relationship that Jordan had with media. What do you mean by that? It's mean he, he took his responsibilities seriously. And it was he was what two or three times a week outside of games like at practice he would be available. And always 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 after games, he without fail, whether he rolled his ankle whether he had a good game, a bad game, whether he got in a fight with somebody, always, always, always at his locker, dressed and ready. Always. And what I what I always liked is he he knew who the the phony grab ass wannabes were and he knew who the real reporters were. And he uh, he really had respect for the, for the people who were there every day and who and who worked hard. And not the guys who are like, hey, Michael, I'm here. The, some, the national guys, the international guys who just wanted to be, get a picture on camera with them, especially as the playoffs started and people coming in from all over the world. He, he, he knew who was working hard to just do their jobs. And he had an understanding of that relationship. I, I really, I always appreciated that and, and respected that amid international, global stardom. Well, maybe one of the first athletes outside of like Pele and Ali to achieve that did when you started was he still playing baseball when you started at the score yes i started in may of 95 95. okay so when he wait no he had no he came back no he was he was back so were you on the bulls beat back then or were you kind of doing a little bit of everything i was doing i started off and it was the summer but i started with the bears beat and then i did bears and bulls so lead. what was that season like when he was fully back that it was 
It was a it was a Jordan season. But remember, that was the second iteration of Jordan. That was bigger, stronger, post up fadeaway Jordan. It was a it was a lot. It wasn't as much constant basket attacking. The first go round was much more high flying. He was already starting to lose a little bit of athleticism, and but he made up for it by gaining like Tim Grover and him like oh, decided he, they were going to work yep, on the upper body yep, and yep. And so his game was a lot more fadeaway jumpers, and he could. I mean, he'd still throw it out, but it just but it wasn't what it was all the time in the in back in the first go round. And he also was learning to trust teammates more in in that iteration. Learning to when it was time to move the ball to, to get it back instead of just saying everybody get out of my way every time. I mean, clearly there was an appreciation for kind of what he was missing by going to play baseball. But when you were talking to him, did you feel that sense of I'm happy to be back playing basketball or was it more like I still have stuff? to prove and scores to settle. Yes, the latter. It, it was always that. It, it was it was always something to somebody had to be toppled or vanquished. Shark, an absolute shark. Everything was appetites and one of his appetites just like gambling or anything else, one of his appetites was not just winning but humiliating opponents. Of the three championships that you covered, do you have a favorite experience of whether it's what happened or going to places like you talk about Utah a lot. Was that experience good? It was, it was weird. It was memorable because of the Rodman Mormon stuff. And I had to be a news reporter and and really I turned into a news reporter because which is part of your background, but it was, and, and won an award for it, but because it was just all of a sudden this happens. And then you're like, Oh no, here we go. Whiteboard it for people. Rodman, because Rodman was just an idiot and he would say stupid things and then they don't have to clean it all up. And for no reason, when I asked about going to Utah, Rodman said, I don't think there's anything in Utah, just a bunch of a hole. He didn't say, he said the word a hole Mormons. And I was like, "Oh, what? What? Are you, what's, what's he doing? Like, he had no. He he didn't even know why he said it or why he thought it. And then it was a whole outcry, and the politicians are weighing in, and, and then I've you know you've got to get official statements, and then even the the anti defamation league came in like with an amicus response on behalf of the Mormon community. Really? Yeah. And said, this, this is a hate speech of any kind directed at any individual religion. We stand with them. Then there was, is there going to be an official apology? Is there going to be? So that, that made that trip fascinating, but that was, and I mean, the flu game, the pizza game covering all of it. And just the, the intensity of the work as it was all kind of a blur, the running around arenas, Sprinting around with all the equipment, and, and then after, what, wait, that wait, which is that the story where you almost who did you almost Chuck run Man, into? Chuck Mangione. That, Chuck that, Man, that, that's how we got to Kenny yeah, G, that's right? How we got to Kenny G, and but, your cousin Kenny G, right? But that was it. Was just it was a blur. It was everything was an absolute uh, on the road. It was constant because I was the only reporter from the from the station, and had to be on every show. Had to send in all the sound, and then sometimes WMAQ. Mm-hmm. Also had me doing stuff for them and sending sound, and I I barely slept. But when you're young, that's when you do stuff like that, right? 
you get out on the road and you go out and you see things and and experience stuff. I mean, the golf, the Miami, the Orlando stuff, the golf day when Jordan was was out. It was ninety five degrees. And he's playing thirty six holes of golf with it with a night game that night, and everyone's asking where he is and what is he doing? Is he out there? So we're driving out to getting a. a golf cart like stealing a golf cart and just driving it out to see if we can see where he is and then even Carl's like, I, 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 I don't know if he's golfing I, 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 I don't know how long has he been out there I, th- I think he played in the morning like no he played the morning and now he's still playing <laughs> he's even like six hours of golf on a game day the dude's unbelievable man and and that's the other thing about these these juxtaposed Story because it's it's two three two three. That's why we're talking about Jordan. And as LeBron is, he's already like top four in assists. He's going to be the all time leading scorer. Look at the age at which LeBron is doing this. It's amazing what he's doing and the difference between taking fanatically taking care of your physical being. What did and, he say? Is a million dollars? Like he spends a million dollars a year yes. just on his body? Yeah. And Jordan probably spent a million on cigars and bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and and the diet. I people don't realize Jordan ate before every game. He's a steak guy, steak. right? Yeah. Yeah, a big steak before every game. Well, I mean, you're burning those type of calories. I, but that's just what he did, and he was set in his ways. And that's that's is it isn't that amazing? Like, because we do think of Michael Jordan as this guy who had incredible fitness. No. Yes. You no, look but at I, his I, body. No, I know he looked great, but his his body fell apart. But, but I well, yeah, after all of that stuff, but but think about what he was doing. It was Drinking, sex, cigars, golf, steak, and sing up late. He never slept. The gambling. Like, I mean, late at night, multiple, multi-thousand dollar blackjack hands. I mean, the guy, obviously when he came back with the Wizards, I'd I'd like to not think about it when he was, you know, 38 and 39. No, his his last shot was with the Bulls was winning a championship. Right. And his, you know, his knees were all swollen, and he was completely miserable. But he was only thirty-four in ninety-eight. Wow, he was only thirty-four. He's Demar's age. He's only thirty-four with two years of no basketball. Well, he had one year, ninety-three, ninety-four. He didn't play, and I mean, he didn't really play that much. Ninety-four, ninety-five. Right, seventeen games in ninety-four, ninety-five, and then I started in. In uh, that May of '95, getting ready for his age 32, 33, and 34 seasons that I covered. And LeBron's how old now? 38. Yep. And he's look what he's doing. He's legitimately going to finish like top 10 in MVP. And and he's going to be the scoring leader after it's all said and done. I was watching a couple of. Um, yeah, I love watching clips of people like debating basketball. I mean, I don't really like to do that here in, on our show. But someone made the point. You talk about LeBron and you can try to minimize him by talking about, well, he's got no killer instinct. And someone was like, how do you score 38,000 points with no killer instinct? It's, it's also not that. He's, just, he's, he's, he's a facilitator first. That's his game. He's always trying to make the right basketball play, and sometimes the right basketball play, often the right basketball play is him shooting yeah, and, and him scoring. Sometimes comparison it really does a disservice to us discussing people's career because of what was expected of LeBron coming out 
Like, we still hold on to the expectations of a 17-year-old kid from Akron, and I feel like he's more than exceeded that. It might not have have manifested in championships necessarily, but you look at, he's going to end up, what, third in assist and first in points. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. <laughs> like... That's ridiculous. Well, and I've always, I've always said you, I, I, if you want to argue accomplishments and championships and MVPs and Finals MVPs, that's all fine. But players evolve in in different eras. Players, there, there will be a player thirty years from now that that we're talking about Victor doing, doing things. There's that. That's just the nature of the evolution of sport, and, and that's cool. It's, it's one of the reasons we love pro sports at the highest levels to see these things happen. But there, there isn't anything that LeBron does that isn't better than what what anybody else you want to compare him to has, has, has done. I mean, it's, it's Jordan specifically, and I always say there, there isn't any one thing, whether it's shooting, passing, defense, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, all of it. And, but that doesn't take away from anyone's accomplishments. Right. Of the winning and the success and the trophies and all that because you can't you can't you can't argue with that. But if you just say what 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 is something done on a basketball court, LeBron is superior at every one of it. What I what I think about with him is we do lift up like we look at Giannis for example. Be like, man, look at Giannis, and he is like he's a freight train going downhill. But you start looking at well, Giannis doesn't hit free throws and he can't really hit threes and LeBron can do that well enough like I think he's 34% or something like that for his career from behind the arc but it's it's everything like it's all it's an amalgamation of all of your favorite players for those of us of a certain age when you look at LeBron and you go oh there's the Jordan stuff there's the magic stuff you know what I mean like he's got there's the bird stuff like he's got all of the things in there and because he's not a, a facsimile of Jordan, yeah, I mean, th- there's Bill Russell stuff in LeBron. A hundred percent, like uh, he can switch off of five players on the floor yeah. defensively. And when you can do all of that, and Giannis can do that, but the offensive stuff is where you go. He's superior. Like he's got A's. On every like category, mm-hmm. offensively, he will pass. He will rebound. He and now we're seeing some of these guys like pop up in the game where you look at Jokic and you're like, wait a minute, you're seven feet tall. Yep, you can shoot. Yeah, but you like to pass and you, right, and you're slow and can't jump, but you score right. And, and, and it's just or you look at Luca and you go, hold on. You're a fluffy six foot eight guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But you can get to anywhere on the floor whenever you want. Yep. And make any shot. Plus, you shoot threes. Yeah. And you go, look at the way the game. And a visionary can- passer. Yes. Yeah. The, the game continues to evolve. Well, the best thing that ever happened to basketball was the internationalization of the game. Because for a long And Jordan played a big role in that. Yeah, and, and for just being open to that and understanding that you don't have to have some defense be illegal necessarily. And you have to say you can be on this side of the floor, but not this side of the floor. And and allowing for, for international coaching and an international understanding of of 
basketball geometry to get to and 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 flourish in the NBA has changed everything. I mean that that's the basketball geometry is what we've been talking about with the Bulls like all season of trying to match what we're seeing from around the league to what it is that the Bulls are doing and to make it make sense because the game is very different and and they don't necessarily they don't seem to have the parts that you need to be successful in the NBA that you're playing in but i i've just really love like seeing all of the videos and looking at people talk about Michael Jordan and like the impact and also like the cross sports relevance. When I was over at NBC last week, Ryan McGuffey was like, Hey, we're doing a whole thing for Jordan's 60th. And we wanted to sit down with you as someone who grew up here as Jordan was and the bulls were rising up. And there was so much stuff. Like we didn't have a ton of time to talk because we were doing the show too, but there's so much more. Like I wanted to talk about when we start talking about impact of Michael Jordan and all of the all of the different ways that he's affected our consciousness. It's not just basketball, but basketball is the jumping off point. And as a kid, it felt like the city was became bigger because of him even though it's all it was already an international city. Oh, it changed and I can tell you this just if you if during the Jordan era when you would travel to another country people would hear chicago they think bang 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 al capone it was the first thing people would think al capone bang 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 and then it was chicago the first one the change william perry okay refrigerator perry and then jordan hmm. chicago michael jordan michael jordan when we if you if you traveled and you had bull stuff People would ask. Oh for my it. god! You could trade it for. We went. We went scuba diving one time. It was supposed to cost like hundreds of dollars. It was in Mexico. We go scuba diving. I had a Jordan jersey that I was wearing, and we could, we're we're going to pay for an afternoon of scuba diving. And the guy's like, "All I want is that shirt." Damn. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> really? Here you go." Yep. Because <laughs> I'm gonna. I just come out of the ocean. For and he said, "He said all I want is that shirt." That's power. Yep. And that's brand, and that's wanting to be associated with a brand. Yeah, my cousin, when he studied, he was over in, in like, uh, I think it was still Czechoslovakia. And he had a bunch of Bulls t-shirts, and he, he, they were going to stay in, a, in a, a, like a youth hostel for this you know, backpacking, typical college backpacking in Europe trip. And... There were a couple independently owned hotels where the guy's just like, how many, is that a Tony Kukoc t-shirt? Is that this? Like, He's like, you can just trade me those and you can stay here for four nights. What? Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you. Currency. Yeah. Jordan as currency. Yep. The first cryptocurrency. I My favorite like piece of memorabilia from back then, I have a picture of it somewhere. I Of the 91, 92, 93 Back to back to back, the three-peat, and it had, like, the players with the outsized heads. Like, it had the whole roster of guys. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love that shirt. I loved that shirt, and I wear. I wore it until there were all sorts of holes in it while I was in college. And, oh, I know it well, yes. I mean, God, like, the, it's a lot of fun, and and 
I never got into the Jordans. Like I didn't really wear them. I was more of a uh, Air Max guy than Jordan guy growing up. I wore them, but you didn't wear them as formal wear. I wore them to play basketball in right. them and wear them every day. And now They're my everyday shoes. And now, like speaking of currency, that's also currency. Like Jordan ever. Jordans are currency more than ever. It's wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you allowed us to kind of go down this road because you were there for history. I wish I'd saved my notebooks. I, that's one of my biggest regrets is I kind of tossed them. Like, yeah, who cares? I, I All just stacks of paper notebooks from every game. Is there anything left? No. I had all, all my notes from every game, and I would diagram the plays. And it, it's because Bill Cartwright taught me how to you – know, some really good ways to diagram what you're seeing and how to – he showed me how to annotate some things – and he said, look, if you're going to do this, this might be easier for you. Because when I started on the beat, all reporters did was write down the play-by-play. Time score, time score, time score, time score. And I realized there's, there's a monitor there doing that for you. Like, why? If you've got this opportunity with a pen and paper, the monitor's keeping track of all of that. They print it out every time out. Why bother with – because that's just the way everybody did it. That's, right. what, that's what you did. And I said, I'm not doing that. And I and I got the actual like coaching, a uh, blank sheets with the little the key and the and and the the diagram and the diagram sheets. sheets, and I'd be like, okay, this is what the other team is doing, this is what the Bulls are doing against it, and then I would save those for the next time against that team, and so I could ask questions about, hey, last time they would they were setting a lot of double down screens, and you were coming over this this this, and whether it was Phil or anybody else to just ask basketball questions. So it made it. I, it was just a different way of of going about the job. Was there a coach that a visiting coach that you enjoy talking all, to? All of them, every single damn one of them. Basketball coaches are great. Every and, and you sit in their office and before the game, there's a couch in their office. You sit, you talk, and they'd eat soup and they'd complain about their team. <laughs> it was a ritual. Whether it was Pat Riley or Larry Bird or, or, or Cal or anybody else, all you, they would sit and they they eat with they get crumbs on their tie and they'd say that their team sucked. I just imagine like walking into Jerry Sloan's office and just having him beat you over the head with basketball, yeah, and how much he hated his team <laughs> and his assistant. What was it, Gordy Chiesa? As as as, as taciturn as Sloan could be. He had this assistant that sounded like Chris Russo. Ah! Yeah, Gordy, Gordy, and he would just talk a mile a minute. So you'd you'd hear, you'd talk to Sloan, and then you'd go get Gordy, and, and Gordy would fill your notebook for you. That's good stuff. Yeah. Would you like to talk about the current Bulls? Sure, they looked okay. The amazing stats from last night. I have a litany of ridiculous stats from last night. All right, let's do that. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Jordan. I know I did. Bernstein and Holmes, they're on the score. Michael, when you re-entered the game in the fourth quarter, was that just to ensure the lead, or was that because you really wanted to rub this one in? No. Uh, that was a pretty smart question. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Here's Kobe on Hayward. No. Tip with the right hand by Drummond. No. Drummond with another offensive rebound. Drummond against Plumley, And he puts it up and in with the left hand. <laughs> how about the activity? And then you didn't mention the dribble between the legs. Yeah. How about that? It's the first time in my career where I've dealt with, you know, DMPs and you know, not playing a lot of minutes, but, you know, my mental toughness is somewhere that no one could touch here. Uh, I love being here. I love playing here. Whenever my number's called, like I said, I'm ready to go. It's a difficult task to, you know, not play and get your number called and go out there and be prepared and be productive. So it's an exciting time. Great game for myself. Great game for my teammates. Uh, but more, more so, happy with the win. Andre Drummond. Nice dude. I really like him, and I feel like there, it's just an issue of matchup. Like, I don't know if it's a thing of he needs to play more. I think you have to find the right circumstances for him to be able to go in there and dominate and not cost you on the yeah, defensive he's, end. He's the other dinosaur on the team. That's the problem. He's great if you're trying to win the 2010 NBA championship. Just and like, this team would murder in 2010. Just like DeMar is great if you're trying to win the... 2005 NBA championship. But it's just the game has changed away from these guys. We saw him get a double-double in 15 minutes or less. Incredible. First time since Daryl Chocolate Thunder Dawkins. When your name is mentioned with Chocolate Thunder, you went out there and you did something. One of my my favorite interviews I've ever done was sitting with that with Daryl. Daryl Dawkins was just an absolute delight, and just a, you talk about larger than life human being, and and that that was as starstruck as I've ever been. Really? Oh, Chocolate Thunder! Like he was a superhero. That's true. That guy was breaking backboard. He was making the national news. Like Walter Cronkite and these guys were going, and and finally tonight, and and it was Daryl Dawkins just shattered glass everywhere because because that that dude couldn't be contained by the NBA. Rims. I mean, so Jeff Fairer, who is as interesting a, a, a statistician for a basketball and other sports, who's out there. It's part of Future Socks, right, Mike Rankin? I know that Jeff is uh, he's a, a great guy. Also writes um, Irish Wire, Notre Dame stuff, and does a lot of Bulls numbers. So it was only the sixth time. Andre Drummond, fifteen points, eleven rebounds, six of nine shooting in less than fifteen minutes. Only the sixth time in NBA history. A player had at least 15 and 10 on 60% field goal shooting in less than 15 minutes. It was actually done by Jalen Smith in 2022, Mike Jaminski in 82, Otis Howard in 78, Kevin Love also did it in 22, and Daryl Dawkins in 1979. But that's just one of the quirks from last night. Okay. Io DeSumo had one of the weirdest stat lines in NBA history. Had a career night last night. He had 22 points on 9 of 10 shooting, 0 rebounds, and 0 assists. For a point guard. No player in NBA history has had that many points shooting at least 90% while not registering a single rebound or assist. There's a 3 in there, too. A splash. How about that? An early in-rhythm open 3 that he splashed. But that's never happened in the history of the NBA. No one has ever scored that one, shot that well with zero rebounds and zero assists. Hey, Dan. What? Guess who shot five three-pointers last night? Uh Uh-huh. Don't think I didn't know. Don't think I didn't notice that. It was the first time in the last two seasons 
The Bulls won a game without getting more than 15 from either Levine or DeRozan. Mm-hmm. The Bulls are now 9-3 and three during the last two years when Kobe White scores at least 20 points. Yeah, the Kobe White thing is he's got I would imagine he's got some trade value, but might he also not have value to you in I, I development? Don't, trade Io. Keep Kobe. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Io is someone's backup point. Or I, I don't know. Point. Maybe point is not the guard backup. He's a rotational guard. Yeah. Come in and kind of do a little bit of everything. Defend. Have him defend on on, on someone's PG. I still think that they have to explore everything. But I, I, I texted you guys last night. Like, can't trade guys if they're all hurt. And then you read that, that Alex Caruso had to see a doctor. So I said, there go the two first-round picks. Right. Right. Hopefully it's nothing, but... When a guy leaves the game and doesn't come back and then has to see a doctor after the game, that doesn't strike me as being good. I've got one more stat for you here that involves some names that have already been mentioned on this show. Okay. Nikola Vucevic had 17 points, 12 rebounds, and 6 assists. He passed Joakim Noah for 5th in Bulls history. The Vooch, the Vooch, the Vooch is on fire. For most games of 15, 10, and 5. 15... 15 10, points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. And 5. Okay. Jo- Joakim Noah did it 21 times. Wow. Vooch has now done it 22 times as a bull. Okay. Can you name the four people ahead of him? 15 points. 10 rebounds, 5 assists. 10 rebounds, as a, 5 assists. Those those games as a bull. Tyson Chandler? Nope. Charles Oakley? Nope. Don't overthink it. Michael Jordan? He's second with 90. Scotty Pippen? Number one with 104. Number three surprised me. Number four was a, a name mentioned earlier on this show. Jerry Sloan is, was fourth of 24. Number three, and I didn't know that he had this many assists, Artis Gilmore. The A-Train? The A-Train had 54 games of minimum 15, 10, and 5. Wow. And I know that's in, in part the game at that time was everything through the pivot. So... You'd run the Maypole sometimes. And he wasn't known as a great passer, but I'd have to sort of look at those statistics. That, that's, I, I would never have had artists on there for 54 games of 15, 10, and 5. Now i gotta, I got to track this now because, you know, I asked the question about three-pointers, and it was after the 5-for-5 five five game, and you start looking at the log, and you go, all right, let's see here. Let's see if, if this continues to be a trend. And you see how things open up when he does that? Yes. This is, see how the spacing changes? It's the whole, it's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's and, not hard. And DeMar, even though he only scored 15 points in last night's game, look at what it did for the rest of your team. That you can still play winning basketball, shooting threes, and, and, and in rhythm. And... I'm not asking him to go out here and be Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. No. You don't have to go out there and take double-digit three-pointers. Where we're at right now, five. Would he make two? Yes. Okay. This is exactly what we want. Perfect. Perfect. He, he now, and I know that Billy cares about efficiency, he's now a more efficient player. <gasps> 
the hell you say. Right? I you, you had more on, on DeMar and the sort of immediacy of how we're talking about him, so we should get to that. Yeah, I wanted to, to ask a question about DeMar and our viewpoint of DeMar versus others. We will do that next as we continue to talk about the Bulls. It's Bernstein and Holmes here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Boots with the spin on Hayward. Up top, DeRozan steps in. Three ball, good. Here's your all-star, DeMar DeRozan. Love this beat. It's a great beat and it's perfect. 100 miles and running. No, straight out of Compton. No, oh, this, this is straight out of Compton. For DeMar. Because he's out of Compton. I, but I'm trying to think the, the beat from... Uh, I'd have to hear the difference for 100 Miles and Running because they kind of recapitulated it. What's, well, there, there's a well you're doing lots it. of stuff like with the drum machines and stuff back then that are like very similar and creating and, a style. And that was after Ice Cube left. Remember, Ice Cube was gone. Yeah. And then it was Ren and Dre and Easy. Ren continuing to write all of Easy stuff. Uh-huh. And, and then they... But then... I mean, it's it's definitely got like it ended up being kind of the sound that Ice Cube is going for when he went east and started working with the Bomb Squad. Right, that was America's Most Wanted. Yeah, like right? you start yeah. to see some of the. the it, it's very. It's even though it's an NWA song and beat, it feels like Public Enemy. You know well, what sure, I mean? Sure, because like you had the wall of sound. You had that mm-hmm. incredibly thick, like the slamming jail it's doors like, and yeah, the the industri- more industrial sounding Hank Shockley. And, and it's got some guys. real boom bap yeah. to it. Yeah. For sure. Um, DeMar DeRozan makes the All-Star team again. So DeMar was asked what it means to be an All-Star. It's everything. And I just hope anybody out there, whatever field you work in, Never listen to the outside noise of people doubting you, counting you out, everything. You know, as long as you're true to yourself and believe in yourself, you keep putting in the work um, with a genuine heart and a genuine passion, you'll, you'll be rewarded. So that's how he feels, and that's I, I think that there's definitely something that people can take away from, from watching DeMar and his almost maniacal work habits when it comes to his game. I also think... That you can be true to yourself and also evolve and say, am I doing the best? Like, that's why I keep coming back to the, th- the whole reason that I'm asking DeMar to shoot four three-pointers a game is because I feel like he's got the work ethic to do it. Do you know what Rick Camp figured out? That I found really interesting about that he was De- trying. Demar. No, oh. Rick, the uh, producer of the organization's win championship podcast, which you should uh, enjoy if you're a Bulls fan. When Demar's three point attempts did go up, especially in the seasons when when the averages were higher, the games in which he shot more threes were either at the start of the season or out of the All Star break. Interesting. The theory being. People were talking to him about it. That's when it was top of that's mind. That's when it was. That's when it was being, we're saying, "How do we want to approach this? How are we coaching it?" When you had practice time, when you had a chance to, to watch tape, and coaches are saying, "You know, we're better when this happens." The 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 bubbles in his three point attempts usually come after down periods or off periods. 
I would love for this to be a thing where we see him do. And, and again, I don't need him to go out here and be Trey Young. I just, just a little bit, like take two of those shots away. Take two of the difficult two-pointers. Step back a foot and shoot a three instead. And if you go two, if you go two for five, it's great. You're 40% shooter. But just hitting two of five, two of six inside of a game can really help spread the floor. Here's what I'm wondering. You know how we've been talking about DeMar and whether it's the two of us or the four of us during transition trying to figure out value for him in a trade market because he's got one year left on his deal, so there's value there. Do you think with teammates, I mean, opponents and coaches naming him to the All-Star game, that there is a respect for DeMar's game inside the game that those of us who are looking at it from the outside and using a little bit more of an analytical eye that we have for it? I have to differentiate between respect for his game and respect for him. I think there's a ton of respect for him. As there should be. And of course there should. There's 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 nothing not to like about his his approach, his work ethic. But as far as his game, I think scouting's good enough now that most teams know. I, th- I think sometimes you get somebody who's just got strong basketball philosophical thoughts who finds a fit. Greg Popovich is probably that guy when he was also kind of leaning into some of the the, the mid-range stuff with LaMarcus Aldridge and others, I think that, that came up yesterday. But for the most part, it, it doesn't mean he couldn't be a part of a champion. Mm-hmm. But if teams want to play with pace and teams want to shoot threes, you can't, you can't let his game hold a good team hostage. I wonder what he thinks his role inside a championship team would, would be. Like I, I wonder if he looks at it as, He's not going to be a second unit scorer. No, that's definitely not happening. At least not yet. I can see that a couple years down the line, maybe, DeMar being willing to do that. But I wonder if he sees himself as option one, no matter what team he's on. I don't know the answer to that. Because he's so good at getting his shot, because he's so good at punking defenders and getting them up in the air. But the problem is he's got to initiate all the action. It's got to be off his own dribble. He, he's, he can't catch and shoot. And that's a huge problem because the ball stops every time. Even if it's a good play, it's frustrating when you watch the, the play with pace. and Pop, 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 pop. And then it gets to him and it's stop. And now it's begin to make the moves and start up the machine. And now I'm going to eyebrow fake you. I'm going to jab step you. I'm going to back you down. I'm going to turn my shoulder. I'm going to squeeze this way. I'm going to lean into you. And, and it's just like, all right, here we go. D- doing the stuff again. And it can be effective. And and very often he comes away with, with a, a couple foul shots or a basket or both. But it still stops everything. It does. And we heard Ty Lue talking about flow of offense when – you have guys, and he was talking about Kawhi, have guys hitting three-pointers or taking three-pointers, what it does to the floor geometry. I just am curious about when the players are looking at DeMar and coaches are looking at DeMar, do they go, 
man, I really want someone like that on my team. Maybe he's not option one, but having someone who has that ability would be really valuable. Or if they look at it and go, what he's doing is really difficult, especially now in an environment where you're supposed to be shooting threes because it makes more sense to shoot threes instead of twos. I think it's probably the latter, and I think that may suppress his market value. I think there are more teams that know. That's that's why I was thinking about when it was announced that he got named to the All-Star of does that mean there are more teams that are likely to at least inquire about DeMar because they do think that whoever their superstar is. I've been trying to figure out who would he pair with. If you were looking at at the NBA and saying, where's a place where DeMar would have significant value to a team that thinks that they can win a championship? And and I'm, I'm having a hard time finding it. I was thinking about Dallas, maybe, like someone as a... As a pressure release valve. And they can play a little slower. Right. For Luca. Like someone where, well, you know, if you're just gonna sit here and wait to double Luca, we've got a guy who can score. And if he's a willing enough passer to give the ball to a player like Luca. If he's at Golden State, I don't feel like see, if he were at Golden State, I feel like he would you would ask him to be on the second unit and he'd be like, hmm. But I heard that that's a place that might have some interest in DeMar. Texter for the 217 says, isn't playoff basketball more suited to his game and thus wouldn't contenders want him? Maybe. No. It depends depends on the matchup. If a game slows down in the fourth quarter and they're calling it a little more tightly, then yeah, I do think there can be some value. Look at his playoff history, though. Right. I, I still think you need to have threes or he needs to be on a team that's got established three-point shooters. That's why the Golden State thing, like I'm coming around, I'm like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense because the floor is enough and you're so worried about Steph that it's going to give DeMar room to operate inside of it. But this is this is going to sound like a slight to DeMar, but it's not. Like I look at Milwaukee and I go, well, they kind of have that. And Chris Middleton shoots threes. Mm-hmm. And Drew Holiday shoots mm-hmm. threes. All-star Drew Holiday. He's one of my favorite players in the league. That dude can, he can do everything and he's fearless. Absolutely fearless on the offensive and defensive. And he strikes me as the type of dude, like when I'm watching him play it, I'm like, oh, your game's on mute. Like, you're willing to do whatever it takes. Well, and, you, did you watch him against the Bulls in the playoffs last year? Yes. And his body language was so confident. He he played with such a swagger against the Bulls. And we were sitting at the United Center for one of those games and watching him just make that. This this guy, he 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 doesn't even want to bother. He it was almost dismissive. He's like, oh, you're you're guarding me with this now. Oh, watch this. Yeah, you're you're gonna leave me open for this. And he was shaking his head, coming back down the floor. I was like, what are we doing here? Let's dismiss, get rid of these bums. <laughs> and they did. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, they did. And they did. I, I don't know. Demar is a very interesting puzzle to solve from a basketball perspective because his, his his game really doesn't fit, even though he's good. 
and 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 that's the shame of it. And like a good he, dude. he's good. He's really good. I, and I, if, I, if he he'd be the number one pick for your pickup team. I'm telling you the the cross sport discussions we were having during transition the other day, comparing him to Luis Arise, was really interesting. Yeah, like the, what what you do used to be so valued, and people used to pay so much for what you do. We it's just not anymore. It's just not things have it, it, it changed. Drummond same way. Would it be? More, I think it's more fair to compare him to Tim Anderson. If if Tim Anderson's not going to hit home runs, then yes, that's right. Three pointers. Yeah, a little different out of con- of choice and control. You don't have as much control over your power. Well, we'll see. Especially because, because they keep changing the basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know which basketball you're using. They won't tell you. <laughs> they got the bouncy one. They got the not so bouncy one. Did you imagine if another sport did that? I mean, just like that. That's... Well, didn't the oh, NBA do that? Did you hear what happened to the college game last night? No. The women, Duke and Florida State's women, played with a men's ball the entire first half. Holy crap! Yeah, and Kara Lawson went off as she went should. off. She's like this wouldn't happen anywhere else. Like, how can no one know? How can this game still count? And she's like, yes, they beat us, but. I think we would have played better with the ball that we're supposed to use. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's inexcusable. It's something that baseball would They all figured out. Yeah, but baseball would do it on purpose. Here, play with this. Yeah, play with the smaller ball, the heavy ball. What's that one? Oh, that's the giant ball. (laughs) That that wouldn't even fit through the hoop. No, you're right. We've got football to talk about, and we've talked about basketball too long. Dane and Hughes is going to join us to talk about the Super Bowl. Next, here on The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.